Welcome to 1869, the new podcast from Cornell University Press. In each episode, we'll be interviewing authors, chatting with Cornell University Press staff, and checking in with colleagues from other university presses to see what they're up to. We'll have giveaways, special offers, and we'll keep you up to date with all the news from the press. Today, we're joined by Glenn C. Oldschuler. Glenn is Dean of the School of Continuing Education and Summer Sessions and Thomas and Dorothy Litwin Professor of American Studies at Cornell University. He is a former columnist for the New York Times and the author or co-author of several books, including Rude Republic, Americans and Their Politics in the 19th Century, and All Shook Up, How Rock and Roll Changed America. Glenn's joining us today to talk about his uh, book that he co-authored with Isaac Kramnik, Cornell, A History, 1940 to 2015. Well, welcome, Glenn. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be with you. Um, so here you are, you know, with uh, a few years on from, or a couple of years on from publishing the, the latest installment of the, uh, the history of Cornell and its various guises. What to you made it important to preserve uh, the history of the university in a, in a book form? Well, uh, there is a marvelous history of Cornell uh, written by Morris Bishop, who actually I knew uh, when I came to Cornell as a graduate student in 1971. That book uh, uh, petered out uh, in uh, around World War II, and Isaac Kramnik and I thought that uh, it was important and would be of interest to our alumni, to current students, to faculty and staff, to have a narrative and an analysis uh, of the second 75 years of Cornell, which quite frankly witnessed the emergence of Cornell as a modern university. And we tried to tell that story while at the same time um, making sure that we included uh, details about all aspects of Cornell's history that would be of interest to our readers. Uh, details ranging from uh, great faculty members, to changes in student life, uh, to sports, uh, to unionization, uh, to Cornell's encounters with uh, the world. I mean, trying to cram 75 years of, of history of anything into a book, you know, even when it's four or five hundred pages long, is quite a task. How, how did you narrow it down? Because you, I mean, you literally can't tell, you know, chronologically year by year. So what did you do? How did you pick and choose the bits you wanted? Well, we began uh, with an advantage. Uh, both Isaac and I have been at Cornell uh, for more than 40 years, a good chunk of the period we were writing about. 
and we had a sense of the important developments. We knew uh, many of the important people. We had a sense of the arc of development of the institution. And then we did what any good researcher would do. Uh, We um, immersed ourselves uh, in the sources. Mm -hmm. And uh, I will say with some pride, uh, just to give people a sense of the dimensions of this project, that the presidential papers alone from President Edmund Ezra Day, who was president in 1940, to the present, are three million documents. Wow. We did not use research assistance. <laughs> we did a lot of triage. And, of course, the fact that we knew the institution so well allowed us to sort through sure. those documents. Uh, in addition, we read every uh, issue of the Cornell Daily Sun, every issue of the Cornell Chronicle, every issue of the Cornell Alumni Magazine, every issue of the Ithaca Journal uh, for that period. Uh, and then we began to think of themes, uh, a narrative arc, and of course, uh, any book uh, does involve not only a process of selection, but uh, it's a creative act. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, uh, it involves um, mental organization that precedes uh, making outlines, but then being open to changing uh, things as you write and discover some holes or omissions or connections that need to be made. So in many ways, uh, you and I are uniquely uh, well-situated to do this project. I mean... I like it when people tell us that so that we don't have to say it for ourselves. (laughs) So with all that research, I mean, three million documents just within the presidential papers, goodness knows how many articles within those other media sources. Um, Does anything stand out as being like, you know, an anecdote or something you read, maybe within the book or not, that is just sort of this like, uh, this gem, this peach that you, you kind of learned that you didn't know? There are many of them. One that I would call attention to uh, is the leading role that Cornell University and its president, James Perkins, who is much maligned uh, among alumni, played in advancing integration, uh, not only to Cornell, but in leadership Mm -hmm. uh, in the Ivy League and many other institutions. And Mm. that was an act of great courage uh, on the part of President Perkins, who then didn't do so well uh, in handling uh, race relations uh, uh, in the late 1960s Mm. and was forced to resign uh, uh, because of that. So that was interesting. And it also came amidst some extraordinary revelations in the presidential papers about troubling racial incidents Mm -hmm. uh, that occurred in Cornell's history 
including um, one that occurred at a Cornell Club event. Hmm. Um, uh, so, um, one gets from all of those as a whole through these incidents a sense of the richness, really, uh, of the history of Cornell, and we tried pretty hard to uh, call them as we saw them, uh, right. and that meant that uh, two people who love the institution uh, also felt that the institution deserved uh, a an honest, candid uh, history. Yeah, I mean, you took the you took the historian's approach as opposed to say uh, the biographer's approach, maybe, or maybe a combination of both. I would say that um, you know we are professional historians, uh, and the approach that we had was one that began with love, mm -hmm. um, but. Uh, had a sufficient amount of respect both for the institution and for our readers to give an unvarnished account of the institution's history. I think from comments that I've, uh, I've heard, certainly it seems that you, you managed to achieve that balance uh, effectively. And, and you know, people, I think, have really appreciated having the second half of the, of the history told. Uh, it's kind of it was a long time between the previous book ending and and, and this one coming out. Archbishop's book was published in 1962. Uh, it took us 11 years really? uh, to complete uh, this book, and uh, both of us um, have a uh, considerable amount of pride in having our names associated with uh, the history of the institution. Uh, I would also say we're proud of the fact that um, the narrative, at least people tell us, is so seamless that they can't tell who wrote the first draft of, uh, of which chapter. And That's I feel impressive. good yeah. about that. And though, although the, the book is a tell-all, we pledge never to tell uh, <laughs> uh, who did the first draft of, uh, of which of those chapters. That, well, you know, when you're co-authors, that is a hard thing to do. So if, if that's what you're hearing, I mean, that's an excellent um, uh, indication of success, if, if it's seamless between the two authors. Yes, and we tried also very hard to integrate um, the extraordinary array of uh, developments at Cornell into a coherent narrative. Right. So, for example, linking the extraordinary 2010 uh, Sweet 16 achievement mm -hmm. of the basketball team with the response on campus to a suicide mm -hmm. cluster uh, and the resulting atmosphere on the campus hmm. is an example uh, of trying to see the institution as a whole. Hmm. So uh, that's kind of a year or so ago that you that the book was published. Are you working on anything at the moment? Are you, uh, you have projects in the pipeline? Well, um, uh, Isaac and I have uh, just been asked by 
Cornell Press to think about uh, continuing our work uh, on Cornell history, writing a chapter that covers the period from 2015 to 2020, having that as part of a reissued book uh, in 2021. And if we're still breathing, uh, we've, uh, we're eager to do just that. Well, excellent. It's, it, seems like, uh, it seems like it's probably a lot easier to update five years of history than it is to do 75 years. I think that's probably <laughs> right, and uh, we won't have presidential papers uh, 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 to work on, so the research task will be a little bit different. Well, good luck with that. Thanks for sitting down with me briefly this afternoon and, and chatting about this. Great pleasure. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate it. Thank you. That was Glenn Altshuler, author of Cornell, A History, 1940 to 2015. It's available wherever you might like to purchase books. But if you'd like to save 30%, uh, visit our website, cornellpress.cornell.edu, and enter the code 09CP2 at checkout. That's cornellpress.cornell.edu, and enter code 09CP2. You've been listening to 1869, the Cornell University Press Podcast. <laughs>